Hello, everyone, and welcome to Thrifters Villa, a podcast for resellers and entrepreneurs. I'm Daniela, and I am riding solo today. Well, kind of. Today, I have our friend Ashley Gibson with us, and Ashley is in Toronto, Canada, if you don't know her, and she's a Poshmark Canada user. I thought it'd be fun to bring her on and chat about the similarities and differences between being a reseller in two different countries, thrift store accessibility, prices, selling on the Poshmark Canada app, and a lot more. If you're a Patreon member, stay tuned because we will be releasing special bonus content from this episode for all of you discussing imposter syndrome in the reselling community. We'll see you at the table. Hi, Ashley. Hi, Daniela. (laughs) So excited that we get to do this. It's fun to see each other face to face and have a real conversation, not just through Instagram chat, right? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh my gosh. I feel like that, that's, that's like our main line of communication, but yeah, this is so fantastic. And yeah. thank you so much for having me. And thank you for coming on. I immediately thought of you, um, when I was thinking of different topics for episodes for this year, and I had to find a way to get you on the podcast because people need to know who you are. You're very influential in the reselling community, especially in Canada, but now you're branching into the U S and people are getting to know you. Um, and, some people are listening may not know who you are. So I want you to introduce yourself, tell us who you are, how you got started. Just talk about you. Sure. So my name is Ashley and I am a part-time reseller based in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. By day, I'm an operations manager and executive assistant and then spend a lot of time on Poshmark. I'm branching into eBay a little bit. (laughs) The hesitation on her face. (laughs) It's a whole whole thing. And I also have a YouTube channel that I started because I wanted to talk about Poshmark Canada. And when I started reselling, I found that a lot of the channels I was watching were based in the U.S. And it was such a great way to learn more about reselling, about Poshmark. But as we're going to talk about, there are some differences being in Canada and I wanted a place to connect with the community. And so that's how I started my channel. And yeah, I'm... What's the name of your channel? Ashley Gibson. I am the the smiling redhead who talks about reselling and not the MMA fighter. Uh, (laughs) Good distinction. It's important. If you search Ashley Gibson, it's like me and him and like, he's literally fighting and I'm just like, let's talk about Poshmark Canada. Hey, (laughs) that's funny. So yeah, you can find Ashley on YouTube. She's a great channel. It's a great resource, whether you're in the US or Canada, doesn't matter. (laughs) So how long have you been reselling Ashley? Yeah. So I started reselling when Poshmark launched in Canada, which was May, June, 2019. I'd heard about Poshmark for years because a lot of bloggers who I followed in the U S had talked about Poshmark and I was like, Oh, this sounds cool. Would love to use it. And so I got the email that said it had launched in Canada. I was super excited. I joined, I set up some listings and then I didn't do anything with my account for like three months because I didn't realize that Poshmark wasn't like a set it and forget it kind of place. Mm -hmm. And then in the fall of 2019, something clicked for me and I was like, Hey, I should go back to that Poshmark thing. And I started consuming lots of YouTube content, following blogs, following folks on Instagram and other social media networks. And I just got really excited about reselling. And once I sold my first item, I was like, oh, I think this is going to be more than just a place for me to sell some of my own items. And I was totally hooked. Yeah. I have a similar story. I mean, I always sold things. Did you sell things before Poshmark? Like, were you like a Craigslister, Amazon or anything like that? Cause we're, no. we're the same age. So yeah, no, I never got into that. Like I bought a few things probably maybe on Craigslist and like I've sold random furniture on Facebook marketplace when I was moving and I tried to sell this Betsy Johnson dress. That's beautiful, but I never wear it because it's like a corseted yeah, yeah, dress. Yeah, yeah. And so I got an eBay account and tried to sell it. Didn't have much luck. And I was like, well, that's it for me here. Um, <laughs> so no, I hadn't actually sold things online. I had had other businesses and other things. I was in an MLM. Ooh. Uh, so I guess I sold hasn't things. been in the MLM. Like, <laughs> people who are a generation have all been in MLM at some point in time. I know. And if that's funny because I've had the same Instagram account since probably like 2012, 2013. Yeah. Yeah. And so folks have followed me through my various journeys and things that I've done. And so there was like 
a three and a half, four year period where I was in that MLM talking about all of that. So I guess that's the closest I came to selling things, but not in the same way as like reselling. Yeah, I was a casual seller, but like there was purpose behind it. Like I sold handbags on eBay or Craigslist so I can make extra money to buy more handbags or to buy textbooks for school or like, you know, whatever it was. Um, There was always like a purpose. It wasn't necessarily, I'm going to intentionally go into a store. I'm going to buy things. I'm going to photograph them, store them. And then I'm going to make money and use this as a side hustle. Like it was never looked at that way for me until 2019, 2018 in that range, I started kind of dabbling in it. And I did the same thing. I consumed all of the YouTube content, everything that I could. Um, Podcasts weren't really a thing go back two years ago for reselling. Like there were some that existed, but it wasn't really um, as big. It's mostly Instagram and YouTube when it comes to reselling. And there are some great, great resources out there, but I think there are so many new people that have come into reselling that um, haven't been found yet. And they're just hidden gems like you. And, uh, <laughs> and you know, this is why we have the podcast, why we have Victor's Villa too, is to bring people on here to share their experiences that may be different or that have knowledge that people should know about. And yeah, so this is going to be a great conversation. I hope our listeners are excited about it as well. So let's just dive right into Poshmark Canada. It launches, you're on it. Did a lot of people go on at first? Like, did, did it feel like there was a lot of attention to it? Were people excited? Like, what was the feeling? Yeah, it seemed like people were excited about it. And, you know, I joined a couple of Facebook groups and kind of got familiar with some of the early adopters. And It wasn't until I connected with the Poshmark Canada team, which happened a few months after I joined. So joined June, 2019, nothing happened. September, 2019, made my first sale. In October, 2019, I went to a conference unrelated to Poshmark um, in Vancouver, BC. And the Poshmark Canada team happened to be at that conference as like a vendor sharing the word of Poshmark Canada because they were still so new. And it was there that I met them. And it was just like, so cool. Like I walked up to the booth and I was so excited because I was so jazzed about this Poshmark thing, like six weeks in. And I had just become a Poshmark ambassador. Oh, so it was like a big deal for you at this point. Oh my gosh. It was so exciting. And so I walked up, they had this beautiful booth with like this neon pink sign. And I, you know, started talking to them and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm on Poshmark. I just became an ambassador. And Lissy from the Poshmark team, like gave me a big hug. And like, we just had this beautiful, beautiful, moment. And I guess about a month and a half later, they asked me to be a part of um, the Posh Party Live that they had in Toronto. And they asked me to be on the panel as someone who was new to reselling, but had like really dove in. And so that was cool. And it was then that I connected with folks in the Poshmark Canada community and started to see the potential that it had. And actually at that event, I met my PFF Mar. She was also on the panel and like, she is honestly one of my best friends and like, not just from a reselling perspective, but also just from a human perspective, because she is fantastic. We have so much fun. We've only ever hung out in real life twice because of the pandemic, but like had that shared experience. And, you know, it was at that point that like, I just saw Poshmark Canada growing and more and more people starting to talk about it. And, you know, I think at Posh Fest last year, they announced that Poshmark Canada had a million users in Canada, which is huge. Like mm-hmm. we're a much smaller population than the US. So the fact that they had had that growth in a year and a half is fantastic. And yeah, it just, it became this thing that I really love to do. And, you know, as a result of like, YouTube and Instagram and podcasts and like learning more, I started to learn more about thrifting and sourcing and like where to feed this addiction of like, I need more things to sell. So where do I get them from? Yeah. Um, so did you, um, were you, I should say a thrift store shopper before this, or had you never entered a thrift store before like me? And you just kind of dove in like, well, let's see how this goes. It's funny because I was somewhere in the middle. So I found thrifting to be overwhelming. 
and would occasionally go to some really cool thrift stores in Toronto. Um, we have a neighborhood called Kensington Market, which okay. is a really great neighborhood. There's lots of like really fun little funky shops. It has like a very bohemian vibe. Mm -hmm. um, in Kensington Market, they have like pedestrian Sundays and like there's like arts and music oh, nice. and all sorts of things. It's just like, it's a fantastic neighborhood in Toronto. And there's some really cool vintage stores in that neighborhood that I would occasionally go look around in, but I love clothes. I love fashion. And generally when I like something, I want to buy it. So yeah. for me, regular retail is a little bit easier because if I go into a store, I see a dress, I'm like, cool. Do you have it in my size? Yes excellent try it on buy the dress and yeah. I found thrifting to be a bit more frustrating because I was like "Ooh, love that dress Ooh, not my size it's one of a kind like yeah. so that was not for me and I found thrift stores to be a bit overwhelming it was just like I don't know there's too many things in here um but what I did enjoy is there was a couple of really great clothing swaps in Toronto obviously this is all pre-pandemic life yeah yeah <laughs> but I found because I'm someone who loves clothes I had a lot of clothes that you know wouldn't fit anymore just weren't my style I didn't wear and I always wanted to do something different with them than just donating them because I was like I want this to go to a really great home and I want someone yeah. to love it so there's a local clothing swaps clothing swap that I would go to I think they had it like three or four times a year. And that would be a great place to go bring a bunch of fantastic pieces and then go home with some other fantastic pieces. So all of that to say, no, I wasn't a thrifter before. I did participate in the exchange of yeah. clothing in other ways, but not a thrifter. And that was something like a skill I had to learn when I got deep into reselling. Yeah, I, I can relate to that because I had never stepped foot in a thrift store until the day I decided that this is what I was going to do as a side hustle. And um, it was extremely overwhelming and I didn't really know like where to turn. What am I really looking for? There are so many things. There's so many people like I don't understand the process and what are all these tags? And like it is I understand why people get very overwhelmed with it and don't stick with it sometimes because there's no blueprint for how to thrift or there's no blueprint on how to find inventory. There are so many different ways. And you learn that as you evolve as a reseller, when you first get started, like you want a roadmap, like, okay, step one, you're going to go down this aisle. These are all the things you're going to find. You know what I mean? Like, that's what you want. And it doesn't exist because every place, and we will talk about this in every country is totally different. And the thrift stores that are available to us are also totally different. So oh my gosh, for yes. example, we have Goodwill, Savers, um, Plato's Closet. Like I, I don't even like I don't have a Goodwill here in Rhode Island, but there's one opening up apparently in a couple weeks, which is a big deal because we don't have a Goodwill here. Um, we don't have a Clothes Mentor here. Um, we don't have a Buffalo Exchange in Rhode Island, but they're in Massachusetts. So like every state has different things. Never mind countries. Prices are different. Bins are different. Like what exists in Canada? Yeah. So in <laughs> one, Canada is a huge country. And so just as you were saying, like in Rhode Island, you have different things. What I have available to me in Toronto, because Toronto biggest is huge in Canada. It's like New York city. population. Yes. Like, yeah. <laughs> yes. But more like, unique. <laughs> and just different, maybe friendlier, different maybe vibe. less friendly. I don't know. Totally yeah. different vibe. And um, so we have thrift stores. We have similar chains to you. So we have Value Village, which I think is like Savers, Savers yeah. brother, sister. Yeah. We have, we sort of have Goodwill. Goodwill, there's a whole controversy, I think, about Goodwill in Canada where like a bunch of them closed down and now they've started to reopen. So anyway, don't quote me on that, but like yeah. there was stuff. I with think the Goodwill they're independently in owned. Like yes. the, the company itself is a nonprofit, but you're, you buy a franchise of them from what I understand. And then they plop them in different areas. Yes. And I think in Canada, there was something weird that went down with Goodwill. They all closed down and now they're starting to open up again. We have Salvation Army. Yep. Oh, Salvation have... Army. That's my favorite. <laughs> Salvation, the Salvation Armies in Toronto are not my favorite. Like, oh. I found a few good things. Actually, one of my best thrifting stories that I have happened at a Salvation Army. We can talk about that in a bit, yeah. but yeah, don't, it's not always my favorite. We have independently run thrift stores, you mm -hmm. know, like every place does. And what else do we have from like a thrifting perspective? You have consignment stores? 
Yes. So we have Plato's Closet. And I've got to say that US resellers, like, really set me up for failure when it came to Plato's Closet. Like, I was all jazzed. I'm like, there's going to be amazing things. And like, all of these brands. And I'm like, hello, Forever 21. Like, what, what is happening, Plato's Closet? Aren't you supposed to be selective about what you take? Like, isn't that the point here? Anyway, yeah. I found some things on Plato's Closet, but not a ton. And also, there are thrift stores in downtown Toronto, like Toronto is quite a big city and we have what's called the GTA, which is the greater Toronto area. Mm -hmm. So there's other cities that are on the outskirts of Toronto. Mm -hmm. Um, And I find that that's where a lot of these Plato's closets and stores are. We have some in central, like downtown Toronto, but there's definitely more when you go to Mississauga. I was going to say Mississauga. (laughs) That's where my family's at. (laughs) I love that you know Mississauga. It makes me so happy. I basically... I don't want to say grew up in Mississauga, but I was always, always in Canada, at least once a year. So Mississauga to me is like a second home. Yeah. I can't wait till you downtown Toronto is, is I've gone, but I've never really like adventured out into downtown Toronto a couple of times here. Like when I went to the mall, a few times I went to Hudson with my cousin, like, you know, a couple things like that. But otherwise Mississauga is the only place I've ever really, you know, stayed in when I'm in Toronto. (laughs) One day, one day, yes, one day will come, I will show you around and you'll be like, oh, wow, this is very There's different. There's so much Saga. more. And I'll be like, yes, yes, there is. Okay. So those are kind of like the thrift stores. We do have some like consignment Plato's closet. I think there's like independently run consignment stores, but because of the timing in which I've been reselling and the overlap, like the Venn diagram of like reselling and yeah. the pandemic, like I haven't ventured out too much in that way. In Canada, there are two goodwill outlets so like the bins oh okay like two so there's I think and there might be three but there's definitely less than five so there's one in London Ontario which is a ways away from Toronto yeah and there's another I want to say in the western provinces maybe Alberta maybe someone Mm. in Canada is going to be like Ashley has no idea and I'm like yes (laughs) I don't because I'm not there I'm in Toronto I can't even get to London because I don't have a driver's license so Anyway, so how yeah, so far is the- London, Canada from Toronto? Like in what direction? I don't know. I'm going to look it up right now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'm people never- understand like all the provinces and how Canada works. Like there's just so much there. You, you could, it would take a lifetime to visit every place in Canada. Cause there's just little tiny, beautiful towns in every part of Canada. Yeah. It's a very big country. And even me, like my family grew up, um, like I live fairly lower class, lower income. We didn't have a lot. And so I didn't travel across, like I didn't travel at all throughout most of my childhood. And it wasn't until I became an adult that I actually saw other parts of Canada. Um, And, you know, I've now been to the West Coast and been out to BC. I've gotten to go to like Alberta and saw some of the beautiful nature there. I've been to the East Coast, um, like going to Halifax, but like it is a huge country and also traveling very expensive to like fly mm-hmm. in Canada. So like everything in traveling- Canada is expensive. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's a whole other thing. <laughs> so London, Ontario from Toronto, it's a two hour drive and okay. it's like South. It's in this South direction. of Toronto. Okay. Oh yeah. Interesting. This is news huh. to me too. I don't actually, I'm I like, didn't realize that the map right now. I thought it was West, <laughs> but okay. It's like maybe like Southwest. It's like below us. But also, anyway. Anyway, in case anyone's my wondering, for London. Geography, not my strength. <laughs> I have many other strengths, but not geography. Not apparently. geography. Okay, so yeah, so London, Ontario, not close. And that's where one of the only bins are. We do have another random pay-by-the-pound clothing place that I mm-hmm. discovered in Toronto. It's like an hour by the subway. And I went there one time before actually, I guess during the pandemic, but when things were open here and it was okay, it wasn't like the best experience of my life. And I found some things, but like not super awesome things. So I don't know that I would do it again. Um, Do you have one of those Amazon? We don't have one around here. Like those Amazon return center things where there's like hard goods and clothes and like random Amazon returns get dumped there. I, we don't have one around here that I know of, but I'm like the West coast has them. Florida. I'm not sure. I know like Amazon recently, I don't know how recent, but we have like an Amazon fulfillment center, um, 
in Brampton, I believe. So maybe there's something out there, but again, mm-hmm. I don't drive. So I stay in my little radius of downtown. Listen, if I Toronto. lived in Toronto, I wouldn't drive either. That's the thing. I've lived in Toronto my whole life outside of two random years of my life when I was five and 11, <laughs> where I lived in Belleville, Ontario, which is yeah. east of Toronto. And like, I learned how to take the bus and the subway when I was like 12 or 13 years old. And that was all I felt like I needed. And then as I got older, I was like, well, having a car is expensive, especially in the city, having parking in Toronto, very coveted. The highways, you need to pay for certain areas you drive through the Queen Elizabeth Highway. I'll never forget it. We were driving. We drove up for my cousin's wedding and we had no idea. We just listened to the GPS. We took the Queen Elizabeth Highway and then we got a bill. We came back home like here's a $50 bill for taking this highway. And we were like, the GPS told us to go this way. What do you mean there's a bill? There was no sign that said we had to pay anything. So, yeah, Yeah. it's like an easy pass for those that live in the U.S. Yeah, yeah, Canada. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what a time here in Canada. Yeah. So anyway, so yeah, so we have thrifting, we have some consignment stores, we have bins depending on where you're located. Um, and you know, I'm sure every area has little gems yeah. and places that they're close to. You know, I think once things hopefully go back more to normal, I can explore a bit more and see what's out there in terms of finding inventory. Um, because that has, you know, it's been really interesting to learn. And just as you said too, it's like there's no there's no roadmap of how to source in a thrift store. Mm-hmm. And in the beginning, I found it super intimidating. So I was like, what am I looking for? Like, how do I check things? The lighting in here is terrible. And just like, yep. I, I always it made this smells. Joke. I don't know what I'm doing. Everything feels gross. Like every initial feeling that you have as a reseller, it's like, why am I doing this? Who said this? Was yeah. Like, yeah. And then like an hour and a half in, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so tired. Yes. Um, Yeah. No, it's a whole, whole experience. And in the beginning, I would often joke that sweaters and I just like didn't get along because I was like, I don't understand how to source sweaters. They're all different. They're very overwhelming. You get home. There's always a random hole. Like, oh, why? Like, where did that, where was that hole in the thrift store? Like, I did not see it. What happened here? So I think it's just like anything, like you get better at it because you practice and you know what to look for because you practice or you go to different stores and like over time you get to know the layout and kind of what that store is known for. And, you know, are there certain times of day or days of the week that are better than others? And yeah, it's just, it's been by doing, but because I love shopping mm-hmm. and I love fashion, I'm mm-hmm. like, Ooh, this is great. Like I get to buy clothes and like, that's called work. That's fantastic. Yeah. I think if you're a fashion lover and you do this, you just appreciate it in a different way. Cause I have always loved fashion, whether it's for myself or just learning about it. And thrifting to me has become a way for me to learn more about construction of pieces and material and how certain designs come together. Like I learn more about the brands and why they even started and all those types of things. And that's what excites me sometimes. I mean, obviously the sustainable part is, is great as well, but if you're a fashion lover, it's just, you're exposed to so much more and you have a different appreciation for the clothing that you're going to buy now for yourself because, oh, look at this brand. I've never heard of it before. It's sustainable. It's made with really great quality um, pieces of fabric. You know, the stitching is this way. The way it falls on the body is this way. And you just learn so much and it's changed my wardrobe and I've appreciated my wardrobe in a different way, which is like the work of it all. Yeah. And I, I agree. I think it's so interesting to learn about different brands and what different brands are known for. Actually, right before we got on to record this podcast, I was listening to yours and Lori's recent episode about brands while I was at the grocery store, mm-hmm. because I love learning about other brands and what other folks are looking for. And even though there are differences between Canada and the US and what we have readily available, it still helps me to know that, you know, I don't know, come to Garçon, Isabel Marat, like all of these brands. I'm like, I had no idea they existed. But when I hear about them, when I see the tag, like, should I happen to encounter one of those pieces in my life, which I have by thrifting, like, I'm like, oh, ding, 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 like a light yeah. bulb, go, like a light bulb goes off. And you're like, why do I know this? Should I know this? And you look mm-hmm. it up and you're like, yes, success. Right. Gold mine. It's the best feeling. But then there's also those brands that I think, like we talked about in the last episode, that so many people overlook, mm-hmm. like the Michael Kors, like the Zara pieces. But it's, go ahead, tell me about Michael Kors. 
come to how like you're like I love Michael Kors I had all these pieces seven of the pieces I sold were my own pieces and Lori's just like nope Michael Kors not for me it was just the contrast of the two of you and I think like with reselling you know there are brands that you might love and you're like I pick that up and it sells for me Mm -hmm. and I might be like I cannot get that to Mm -hmm. sell if I like make it five dollars like it doesn't matter and you know, I think that's something that is so interesting about reselling is we get to curate our own little store of what we want to sell. And we can figure out what does well for us, what doesn't do well for us, what sparks joy for us and what doesn't spark joy. And I think that's where that like abundance mindset, even in the thrift stores comes in Mm -hmm. because, you know, I think there's sometimes this mentality within the reselling community of like, I don't want people to know where I source because then they're going to take all the good things And let's be real, like there is no shortage of clothing that people donate to thrift stores. Like when have you ever gone to a thrift store and it is sparse or barren? Like not often. The only time I've seen that happen is at Salvation Army because they haven't stocked their shelves yet. That's the only time. (laughs) Yeah. And then tomorrow they're like, oh, look at all these things. Yes. And, you know, but I think by learning about different brands, like you and I could go thrifting, you come to Toronto, I take you to Value Village and we go look around and both of us could come out with a huge bag of things that we both found. And, you know, maybe we'd have a moment of like, ooh, I wish I'd seen that first, but we could both come out with fantastic pieces and be really happy about it. Yeah. And that's kind of the nice thing when you make reseller friends and you can go out, this is obviously pre-pandemic, you can go out and you can find different things and you can be in the same thrift store. You can, this is the way that I've done it with my friends is we separate and say, okay, I'm taking the left side of the store. You take the right side of the store. We're going to meet in the middle. And then while you're thrifting, you actually see things that your friend might want and you're putting it in your cart and you're like, Hey, I found this. Would you want this? Does this sell for you? And vice versa. And it actually becomes a fun learning experience, you kind of figure out what your friend likes to purchase and what works for them. And then you might be like, hmm, maybe I'll, maybe I'll try this. I mean, it seems to work for them. Maybe, maybe I'll try it. Let me see what they have to say. Um, I just think it's a great process for everyone to go through. If you have a, a friend who's a reseller or someone who likes to thrift for that matter, and you want to experience it together, I think that's wonderful. I think that, um, yes, everyone wants to, everyone has that mentality of like, someone's going to walk in and take all the good things. And those people do exist, right? They do exist out there in the thrift store. Um, But more likely than not, you're going to find things no matter what. You could have a very aggressive reseller in there who's just throwing everything in their cart and you'll still find stuff that they missed. There's, it's just going to happen because people are putting items out on the shelves or on the racks as this other person's going through other racks. So you might see the worker come by and put a bunch of, I don't know, whatever it is on the rack. And you're like, oh, this is great. Let me grab this right now. So it's, it's just, it's timing more than anything. Yeah. So yeah. One day we'll source together. Oh my God. Oh, I love you that. should come down to the U S when you're able to as well. Like you can come right into New York. I would love that so much. And it's interesting because going into reselling is making me think about travel in a different way Mm -hmm. whenever I get to do that, because I'm like, oh, I want to go thrifting whenever I travel again, Mm -hmm. wherever that is. So no, I would love that. I would love to go on a little tour of the US and go visit all of my new reseller friends like Mm -hmm. in real life and be like, oh my gosh, you're a real person. Take (laughs) me to your favorite thrift store. And then, you know, bring a second luggage and like take it all home. Yeah, I think where you're located too makes it a little bit easier for you to be able to travel to like all of these areas around where I am too. Like coming into Massachusetts and Rhode Island, New Hampshire, Maine. I mean, they're all feasible for you to to do. I mean, you could do a um a, a car ride down for like a month if you wanted to, right? Like you do a little road trip if you wanted, and you can go right into New York and kind of mosey your way into Connecticut, come down to Mass, come to Rhode Island you know, and then wherever else you want to go from there, if you want to go up north towards New Hampshire and Maine and and then circle back around to go to Toronto. I mean, it's totally possible. That's kind of the beauty of being on the East Coast is everything is so accessible. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, New Hampshire, the beginning portions of New Hampshire are a two-hour car ride. Uh, Maine is a four-hour car ride, and that's all feasible. New York, four hours. Jersey, four, four and a half. So it's like, you have that flexibility when you're in this area where I don't think it's like that for people that live on the West Coast, right? Or people that live in much larger areas, like New England's more tiny. Yeah. Well, and I think in Canada, 
it's sort of similar yeah. um, where, you know, Toronto to Ottawa, which is another, you know, major city. I don't even know what that drive is, but it's like an hour flight, um, you know, going to Montreal, it's a short flight, but like driving there is, you know, a bit of a thing just because it is such a big country. Yeah. Um, but yeah, coming into the U S post pandemic dreams of traveling, like, yeah, what's helping me get through right now. Like, I think I that'd be wait. great. It'd be great YouTube content for you too. Oh my gosh. Travel so across okay. the U S right. I think that'd be yeah. wonderful. I hope I'd find something in my thrifting adventures. I'd be like, I just, I met all the people and I found these five things. <laughs> I think you would find a lot more than five. <laughs> I think you underestimate how much U.S. citizens shop around here. We are, we're bad. We're bad. The amount of clothing that we have in this country is just astounding. And I was, a, I, and I still am a retail shopper. I would be lying if I said I bought everything secondhand. I don't. I still, if I see something I really want, I really like it, I'm going to buy retail price. I mean, I'm going to, I admit it, I'm going to do it. Choose whatever it is. If I really, really want it, I'm going to get it, you know, and that's who I am as a person, but it doesn't mean that the majority of my closet is now secondhand, Um, but there's still those pieces that I have to have. Yeah, I think I'm the same way. I would say that, you know, a lot more of my clothing now and my accessories are thrifted, purchased mm-hmm. secondhand on Poshmark. Mm-hmm. Uh, I even bought something on eBay recently. It was very exciting. And I will still pay retail, especially like there are certain brands that I love. For example, we have a brand in Canada called Smash and Tess. They okay. make fantastic rompers. Ooh. And let's oh, be honest. that romper you had on in your oh, photos. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I have so many. I have, I think, six rompers. One is thrifted, five bought, like one, <laughs> one is thrifted, one was gifted to me and like many more I bought regular price, but I love their stuff. They're a women founded brand. You know, their stuff is designed, made here in Canada. And of course I want to support them. Also 2020, 2021 romper made from the most comfortable fabric, the best fashion choice I can make because where am I going? Nowhere. I stay here at home. And so if I can be comfortable in a romper, that's going to make my life better. Right. 100% agree with you. Do you think that, well, so you're working from home, right? Your full-time gig is a work from home. Has it always been a work from home gig? No. So uh, slightly complicated. So when I, when the pandemic started, I was actually working at Shopify Okay. and we were in office and I remember talking to my boss and we were like, we're going to see each other in a few weeks. And we had just gotten our own small office, (laughs) like in my life. That was all I've ever wanted. Right. An office. office. That's a dream. (laughs) It was so beautiful, Daniela. We yeah. had our desks side by side. They were standing desks that would convert to like a sitting desk. I had a window. We had a couch. We could take our meetings and right yes. from there. It was beautiful. There was a plant. Like it was, it was such a beautiful space. And then, you know, everything started to happen with the pandemic and Shopify shared that they were going to, you know, everyone was going to work from home for a while. And then like, I think, Shopify was one of the first companies to say they were going to work from home indefinitely. Mm-hmm. And that was, you know, a big change for me, especially so Shopify, Canadian e-commerce, but just like entrepreneurship company and the Shopify offices were beautiful and so special and like really a hub and a meeting place for folks. And so the idea of working from home permanently was such a huge mm-hmm. mind shift for me. So I was in the office that I'm in now. It was previously my partner's like man cave. It was painted this dark purple. It was terrible. And this room was basically like our basement. So we live in a two bedroom condo. This is our second bedroom. We don't have kids. It's just the two of us and our cats. So this room was like where everything went that didn't have a home, you know, like where the Christmas yeah, the was, random where place. like there was a bike in here. Like yeah. I basically made like a little corner when I was temporarily working from home where I could work. But then once I found out that I was going to work from home forever, I was like, okay, need to make it over. And just like went on a bit of a rampage, like cleaning and painting and making this so that it was like a much more usable, practical space for me. And it was a big shift. And to be honest, like you know, I ended up leaving Shopify that summer. Um, and it was a big shift to realize that working from home was going to be a new reality for me because I am an extrovert. I get energy from people. I liked my routine. I liked going somewhere to work, having that distinction of 
work versus home. And, you know, I realize how lucky I am to be in a place where I am able to do work from home and that my job like remained and didn't change as a result of the pandemic. Like, I don't want to sound ungrateful because I realize what a privilege that is, but it was a huge shift. When I left Shopify, I took a job that didn't actually have an office even before the pandemic, like they were completely remote. And it's been, it's been a shift. It's been a shift for my partner. He is an actor and he teaches. So he's on a very different schedule than me. And I'm home all the time now. Like I'm just here. Like I go into the office, I close the door and I'm just like here all day, every day. So I think it's been a shift for us in our relationship as well. One that he didn't really ask for, or I didn't ask for. Um, but I think now I like working from home. I've like, I like the space that I work in and that makes a really big difference. And I figured out more of like how to have the distinction of like the beginning of my day, the end of my day, and actually like moving away from work and turning my brain off from work and moving on to other tasks. So I think that's been helpful. All that to say, working from home, still new for me, but I'm adjusting a lot more than I was in the beginning. I love work from home. I always have. My previous job, I was work from home. I'd go into the office of certain things, but I basically the flexibility to take days off when I wanted to work wherever. It didn't matter. I didn't have to be in a specific location. I could be anywhere and I could work. The reason why I asked that question is, how do you now being fully remote at home make the time for reselling and not mix the two together? Because I think it's very easy to mix the two together throughout the day. Because, oh, look, I made a sale. Let me go pull this and I do this. And then I'm working on something else for work. And like, it's, it can get a little convoluted. So how have you created a structure for yourself um, throughout this process? Mm -hmm. I think with reselling and YouTube, I just try to be really intentional about those things. And you know, I think the flexibility of working from home means that, you know, if I make a couple of sales in the morning while I'm working, I can package them up at lunch, take them to the post office, and then go back to my day. Um, also, the work that I'm doing, you know, I have a bit of a flexible schedule outside of like meetings. So, you know, if I need to take an hour and a half for lunch because I want to go to the post office, like most days I can do that. So I think just like being intentional helps and just being like, cool, I'm focused on work right now cool, I'm going to focus on reselling tasks while I have this time and just like separating them and not getting distracted. I think that that helps mm -hmm. because I also think like when you do something half-heartedly, half-assed, um, it's, you're doing it half, like you're not doing mm -hmm. it fully. And so I think that's often when like mistakes can happen or, you know, you might not do the best job that you can do. And so I think like just separating them, being intentional, but it does mean that like, you know, if I want to film a YouTube video at lunch, I just like log off my work, go eat my lunch, and then just like film for 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. And that's a task that I've done in the time that I've been home. So I think that working from home and, you know, working this side hustle at the same time, like it's manageable, but just like being really intentional helps. Yeah. And I think it's how you've been able to grow so quickly too, with your YouTube channel and just your content creation in general is having that ability to be home. And I always say this, if I was home more often and not in, not at work, right, working from home, I'd be able to do so much more when it comes to the side hustle and grow it in a way that like I envision it in my head. But when you're at your job from however long you're there, right, eight, 10, 12 hours, depends on the day. Um, and then you come home. First of all, you're not going to the thrift store because you just want to go home. So you leave work, you're like, bye, all set, not thrifting. Um, then you get home, got to make dinner, got to like be a human with your family. And then you got photograph and then you got to pull sales. And it's like, there's always that constant balance and struggle that exists and you find ways to make it work. Um, but with, with the way that the world is changing with full-time work, um, I envision more people jumping into a reselling or whatever the side hustle is because you can balance it in a different way and still keep your sanity because working outside the home and trying to maintain sanity while you're home doing your side hustle is very difficult. And I speak from experience. It is extremely difficult to do. It can be done, but you will burn yourself out in like various, it will happen like three months at a time. Like I'm good. I'm good. I'm doing everything I can. And then, then you just like plummet because you can't do it all, even though you want to. Totally. And I think with reselling, it can be all consuming, right? Mm -hmm. Like 
there is no shortage of things to be done when it comes to reselling mm -hmm. and, you know, offers might come in at any point in the day, or, you know, mm -hmm. you might want to share your closet at any point in the day. You want to go sourcing, you want to photograph, you want to do all those things. Mm -hmm. And you're right. Like it can be all consuming and it really can lead to burnout. And so I think like finding that balance for yourself and taking care of yourself and figuring mm -hmm. out those ways and those times that you can replenish like the rest that you need and yeah. take time for yourself to not think about work, to not think about reselling, to not think about YouTube, to not be on social media. And like, I don't always have that figured out. I will definitely I don't think say anyone that. does, <laughs> but I think being more intentional is helpful and, you know, figuring out when you're going to do things and when you're not going to do things and being okay saying no to things mm -hmm. and being okay, stopping work sometimes. Mm -hmm. That's something that I think I struggle with where I don't feel like I'm doing enough. And I am putting air quotes around enough, but I'll just say that out loud because that feeling of like, I'm never enough. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply can really take over for yourself. And, you know, you see other people, you know, making great sales or, you know, doing all the things and looking like they have it all together. When I don't think any of us do. No, it's just, a, and here's the thing with social media. It's a great tool to network and to meet people and to share. However, it is also a downfall for many things, like what you're explaining right now and what you're sharing. It's, Everyone else is doing all of this and I just can't, I can't keep up with it. I just mentally can't do it. I don't have the time to do it. I would love to be in that same place, but I can't. And you feel like you're just not as good as everyone else. And you know, you, you, you get stuck in this rut, but everyone is doing the best that they can. And everyone needs to remember that. It's yeah, really what it comes down to. Totally. And it's all we can do. I'd also like to remind us that there are people out there hustling in their reselling businesses who don't have social media, who don't they have make more money channel. than all of us put together. <laughs> They're not wasting their time, like writing down hashtags for a post on the gram. They're just out there doing the things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think with any job, it can get really you can get caught up with like the creative shiny ideas of like, oh, I want to, you know, create this perfect photo for Instagram, or I want to make this YouTube channel and I'm going to make this very special video or whatever. There's like all of these things, or even just going sourcing, like sourcing, let's be honest. It's an exciting part of reselling. Yes. Also but a lot of work. <laughs> also a lot of work. And also if you have a pile of clothing sitting there that you should list, like you should attend to that first. Yes. And I think that we can get caught up with like the creative thing, the shiny thing, the more exciting thing, the things that we enjoy most, mm -hmm. where the better approach, not the one I do all the time, but the, better <laughs> the one approach, that we don't do, but <laughs> there's this book called eat that frog. And the main mm -hmm. idea from it is to like, do the thing that's going to bring you the most value and return first, like at the beginning of your day or at the beginning of your block of work and just get it out of the way because it's going to be the thing that's looming. And I think the same is true when you're a reseller, whether you're full-time or whether you're part-time, like do the thing that's going to give you the best return. That's going to help you to make money first. Mm -hmm. And then like sequentially go through the next thing of like, what should I do next? Yep. And then you get to do the shiny things. Like the shiny things, the exciting things, the creative things, the things that like bring you the most joy might not be the things that bring you the most value or the most money. But right. like most of the time we should do those like eat the frog things first. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think that's a great point to make because we all get sucked into that, right? That uh, I oh just want to go sourcing. Like I just need to go. 
I just need to go sourcing and I need to find all the things and then I'm gonna go home and I'm gonna look at them and I'm not gonna do anything with them. And then I'm gonna go sourcing again tomorrow because there's gonna be more good things. I found a ton of really great things today. And that's just the, the cycle that I think a lot of resellers fall in. And then we go into like a hoarding status and then we never get to any of the old things that we got two or three months ago. I've never done this. I will say the most I've ever kept anything in a pile is like a month. And it's because I'm focusing on other things. I am not that kind of person but I can see how someone can transition themselves like that. Um, then you realize you had some really great quality pieces that were sitting in a pile for six months, right? We throw a number out there and then you photograph it, list it, and it sells within a short period of time. And you're like, I could have made this money like months ago. So now if you really look at, let's talk business now, if you're looking at it from a business standpoint, you have lost money. You have not made anything. You have lost. You are in the negative now. And I think that there's not enough talk about that in the community. Like the real business accounting aspect of buying inventory, photographing, listing, and like getting it out there and getting the biggest return that you can from it. Because if you haven't listed something that's been sitting in a pile for six months, that, that item is worth nothing to you now. Totally. And however long it sits there, it's not making you money if it's not listed. Yep. And, you know, one of the things that I often talk about in reselling, like on YouTube and with reseller friends, is like done is better than perfect. And mm -hmm. if you have an item or a pile of items that are just sitting there and you're not really exciting, excited to list them, just do it. Like mm -hmm. I had this recently where I had picked up a box of inventory and there was like 54 items and I listed most of them, but there was a couple things that I was sort of unsure about and hesitated to list. And then finally I was like, Oh, I had need to list these and like do the things with them. And one of them, it was a bodysuit, like a lingerie bodysuit from a brand called gooseberry intimates. Okay. And I didn't list it. Cause I was like, I don't know want to buy this I don't I don't know how I feel about it but then I was like Ashley just list it and it I got a great offer on it like three days after I listed it and I was like I could have made that you know forty dollars like three months ago if I had just gotten over myself and listed the thing and so I think just like reminding yourself that done is better than perfect and just getting it off your conscience and getting the things listed is going to serve you in the long run and not to get attached to any of the items that we pick up because we're all guilty of doing that too. Yes. I don't care if you live in Canada or in the US, you are guilty of doing this. You find something, you love it, and you purposely either don't list it because you want to keep it and you don't want it to sell, or you list it really, really high because same reason, you don't want it to sell and you just want to hoard it for yourself for whatever reason, because of the brand or whatever. You cannot go into this business wanting to keep everything. Yes. You just can't. You can't do it. That's it. No. Point blank. Don't do it. Or don't resell. Just just thrift for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> just thrift for yourself. I love and it. Fill so your no, closet with now, all the amazing just, things. Just go shopping. Take up a shopping habit. Don't be a reseller if you can't yeah. get rid of things. Cool, cool. Like, Thanks so much. Yeah. <laughs> Have a good day. <laughs> Thank you for coming to my TED talk. Uh yeah, sometimes. Sometimes I just got to say how it is. I can't, I can't help it. It's just who I am as a person. Like if you like to shop and you like to have nice things, then do that for yourself. You don't have to be a reseller. Don't use reselling as an excuse to, to do that. You know, because then you just end up with a room filled with clothing that you never want to do anything with. And now you are a part of the problem and you're not actually being sustainable anymore because you just have a bunch of clothing in a room that is not being circulated in society. That's it. Daniela, you can have a TED talk any day. I'll be front row. I'll be there with front my bro. Ashley will be there with the sign. Just be like, yes, we're here <laughs> for this. Uh, anyway, <laughs> back to Poshmark. Um, this is something that we talked about before we started recording, and that is the price differences in thrift stores and in shipping costs and all that fun stuff, because it does vary between US and Canada. Um, what are the thrift store prices like in Canada? Yeah, it's been so long since I've been to a thrift store because I've been in lockdown for so yeah. long. And still um, in lockdown, might I add. I don't even want to talk about it. It's just... It's, it's a bit of a touchy subject. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I feel free. I want to be safe. I want to be safe. And I do have an autoimmune disease. And like, it, yeah, it's just the whole thing is very tricky, but I'm just... I'm very political right now. We're just going to throw that out there. It's very political in Canada right now, especially Toronto. So it's heated. Things are getting better. The vaccine rollout has gone, is going a lot faster now. And so that is giving me hope. Anyway, yeah. all that to say thrift store prices, what are they like? Like jeans are like 
probably like nine to fifteen dollars. All right, so similar to my prices around here. Dresses probably like twelve to twenty. Oh, it's um, kind of high. It, yeah, some I That's find the dresses, high. especially at like Value Village, start to get a bit high. Tops uh, anywhere from like three to fifteen dollars. Mm. Um, and then I think this happens everywhere, but thrift stores and places start to know what brands are quote unquote popular and they start to mark them up. And so like Lululemon, for example, you know, you see like Lululemon pants from like 2005 and they're like $25. I was going to say $22.99. No, no, (laughs) sir. Not that was, that is not Uh what you watch. So I think it really varies. And, you know, again, this is speaking from my experience in Toronto, which I think the prices in Toronto, like at the bigger thrift stores are going up, sort of a reality of it. Yeah. Um, when it comes to shipping, on May 6th, Canada <laughs> Poshmark um, increased our shipping price to $13.49. It's crazy. Just if you're in America, just let that sink in and just remember that the next time you think about you're like, what is it, seven something? $7.99, I believe it is. $7.99. Yeah. So the next time you feel like complaining about your $7.99, think of me and all of the Canadian poshers and our $13.49. And then just like sit for a second again and you know think of thoughts for us. Um so yeah, That's so our think of like let's just go back. 13, whatever it is, right? Thir- we're gonna say $14. That's basically where you're at right now with that. Yeah, for a top. So if for a top. If you- yeah. So if you, so let's break it down. So let's say, you know, Daniela comes into my Poshmark closet and she is in Canada and she's like, I love this top. I'm going to send Ashley an offer for $20. I accept the offer. Daniela is paying $20 for the top, $13.49 for shipping plus tax on the shipping. So you're now paying like $35. And, you know, I think this is just the way it is. Like shipping in Canada is expensive. Like mostly, like it just, it kind of is the way that it is. And, you know, one of the beautiful things about Poshmark is the simplicity of it, right? It's a flat rate. You don't have to weigh, you don't have to measure, you don't have to think. You're like, cool. I sold the top to Daniela. Poshmark sends me that shipping label. I slap it on. I take the package to the post office. You get your top. So, and we actually, we haven't had an increase of shipping since Poshmark Canada launched in 2019. So what was it before this? $12.99. Okay. Okay. Still high. Yeah. It's it is still really high. high. It's not cheap, but I think being in Canada, like there are places, you know, obviously the Amazons in the world, the larger retailers who offer free shipping. And so I think sometimes it's tough to switch that mentality of like, I'm going to order from this place and get free shipping, or I'm going to order from Poshmark and get something for 1349 shipping. And I think that can be hard to reconcile sometimes, but there are stores and brands that charge for shipping. There's a brand I really like. They're out in BC. They charge, wait for it, Daniela, $25 flat rate. What? Across Canada. That is what it costs well, for them to ship. Across Canada makes sense because it's a different price point per zone, just like it is in the US. And Canada is so large and vast, right? So it makes sense. But 25 that's a lot. It is a lot. But I've paid it because I'm just like, I want the right. thing from there. Well, that's so, so the other comparison I have for that for those in the US is like, so if you ever bought anything from the real real, whether it's with credits, whatever it is, it is a flat $11.95 no matter what. I don't care what you're buying, it's eleven dollars and ninety-five cents for the real real. Because it's covering, you know, the packaging and all of that kind of stuff as well. But people buy it, people don't care. They still they do what they do, you know? Yeah. I think I looked up the real real recently because I follow you and I love listening to you. And so I'm like, ah, the real real. So we have the real real, we can order from the real real, but we can't send things to the real real in Canada. Oh, okay. And I'm pretty sure the flat rate for the real real is $25 USD to ship to Canada. So that's sure like, let's do math because that's not my strength. Math and geography, not my thing. So 25, it's like 3250 Canadian to ship a thing. And granted, if I'm buying something from the real real, I'm probably getting it at a significant discount. Yeah. But I need to factor that into my cost. And like, that's the way it is in Canada as well. If I'm ordering like any sort of inventory or liquidation boxes. So I'm paying a much higher cost for shipping. And then I'm also paying customs and duties when that crosses the border. So what seems like a great deal for, you know, let's say like, $200 inventory box, then I'm adding on whatever shipping 
is I'm adding on customs and duties, and then I'm converting it at, you know, 1.25%, 1.3%, like it's a lot. It is a lot. And I think that's where the big difference is between us and Canada is that when you're doing anything international, because Canada is international, I think people forget that because we're neighbors, right? Like we're, we're sisters. Um, but it's, the dollar is worth different. Canadian dollar is worth a different amount than U.S. dollar. I mean, there's just a lot of those little factors that you need to consider when you you are a reseller in a different country like Canada. Um, it's going to change the way you source. It's going to change the items that you want to have available. It's going to change what your average sale price needs to be. Like all of those factors, I think sometimes a U.S. seller would take for granted because things are just so much easier for us to get. And the shipping is really affordable when you think about it, because someone could bundle five items and only pay $7.99 instead of paying $15 or $16. So, yeah, there's a lot to consider. And I yeah. hope our <laughs> listeners realize, like, yes, this is great that Poshmark is expanding, but if they were to ever kind of merge everything together in in an eBay situation form um, where you can ship internationally, like Poshmark has to do a lot of legwork to figure out what shipping is even going to look like just on a small scale from US to Canada, which really isn't small scale. It's actually pretty big, but how would they do that? Will they have a fulfillment center? Will they put it all in the seller? Like, hey, you want to ship international? Cool. It's on you. Figure it out. You know, I don't know. Yeah, I think there's a lot of work to be done there. And the other thing I don't know that people consider as well is when you ship something from Canada to the US or US to Canada, you have to include additional paperwork when it's not just a letter or sort of like a piece of paper. And, you know, Poshmark, you know, to your point, like, is that going to be on the seller? What's going to be in the system to help make that easy? Because as I said, like, that's one of the things that's so great about Poshmark and is sort of like overwhelming about eBay is the shipping. Like, Poshmark shipping, simple. It's done. I don't have to think. Whereas eBay, it's like, cool, I need to weigh it. I need to measure it. I need to like, you know, figure out what it's going in. And then, so in my, you know, four or five sales on eBay I've had, it's like, there's just so many extra steps that I need to do in order to ship something on eBay. And then I even have this moment of like, will I get there? Did I do it right? Is everything okay? You can tell I'm not like a a really seasoned eBay seller. I don't know that that feeling is ever going to go away. Um, but yeah, it's something for, you know, them to consider when they start to bring in cross-border shipping, like what that's going to look like. And hopefully they'll make it easier for sellers in some way. But I think there's a lot of work that needs to be done for that to be an option. And then also what is the shipping going to cost? Because if it costs me $13.49 to buy something from Poshmark Canada, what is it going to cost for you? I know that's the other thing too. And before we even do any of this border crossing of goods, can we have a customer service line? Like before we even talk about <laughs> anything, can I just have a 1-800 number just, or a chat? I'd be happy with the chat. Why can't we just have a chat? It could be a bot that then transitions you to someone else. That's all. That's all I'm asking for. And then eventually I'd like to ship and buy things in Canada and vice versa. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. I would love a chat, a phone number, even an FAQ that answers my question. So because of this uh, shipping increase, I've been trying to figure out what the price of shipping is going to be for closet clear out. And so far I can't find the answer and no one has sent me an offer. So I haven't gotten it that way. And I, I put something on closet clear out today just to see, and then it still hasn't told me. So yeah, Hmm. I am waiting to find out because I've heard people in Canada saying some people have seen offers with 999 shipping, which is like the price that it used to be. And some have seen um, it with 1049 shipping, which Mm. is like $3 off the new price. It's kind of one of the things I don't love about the change to the Poshmark Canada shipping price. Like the shipping price on like 1349, whatever, people get over it. Like new people joining Posh aren't even going to know. They have no idea. It is what it is. But from a seller perspective, they didn't change the prices for offers to likers. So now if I send an offer to liker, it's still $9.99 shipping, but now I need to cover $3.50 as the seller instead of $3 before. It's not my favorite. Okay. It's not my favorite part of this. So I'm trying to see what like Poshmark okay. is covering. Like Poshmark, are you covering $3.50 or are you covering $3 here on Closet Clear? Right. What are you doing? And I haven't found an answer. And I tried to look in the FAQ today. I am a resourceful person, but mm. I couldn't figure it out. And that was frustrating. Yeah. So we'll see. So Poshmark, if you're listening. 
Poshmark, can you hear me? Yeah, right. Can you please help Canada out just a little bit? Actually, US and Canada, because there's a lot of different questions I think a lot of us have, and we don't really ever know the answers until enough of us scream and yell and kick. And then finally, we get some type of response. Um, but I think with, with Poshmark being a public company now, a lot of that is going to change. It's going to have to change. It's like any company that goes public, there's a lot of transitions and things that occur because you are now an official business, right? Like you are the real deal now and you have investors and you have um, stakeholders that expect X, Y, and Z from you. So I'm hoping in 2021 and 2022 with them expanding and everything, we'll see a lot of improvements, which I think we will. Um, I feel like they're fairly receptive. Out of all of the platforms, yes, eBay probably has the most potential, but Poshmark is the easiest. And also, mm, I just think the, mo the most fun to resell on. It's so fun. It makes yeah. me so happy. Like, I'm so glad I found it and I found this community and yeah. I found this thing that I love to do. And, you know, I still get joy from listing things and I still get joy from every sale. Um, I don't have that joy with eBay yet because it overwhelms me and the shipping yeah. is a lot. And also I just find the interface so clunky and it's like very 1995. It's never changed. It is, no, it is so <laughs> it's not modern at all. And so I think that's part of the reason why I'm just like, oh, do I want to go there? Yeah, mm. you do. You do want to go there. It is definitely, especially if this is something that you like see yourself doing in the future you in my opinion you want to be on ebay because that is where the potential of growth really happens not that it can't happen on poshmark because it can um it's easier on ebay totally and if we're talking to people who are listening then do list perfectly come to canada what are you doing oh, they're not in canada i didn't know no, that. it doesn't work here so it doesn't make any sense <laughs> no it's There's another, what, what it's, could possibly make it not work though? So there are differences like in the um, reporting is different and okay. the way that our currency shows up. So in Canada, we also use the same dollar sign, but in all of the Poshmark okay. Canada reporting, they put a C in front of the dollar yeah, sign. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so I think there's like some nuances there and we also um, have different taxes. And so like, if you and I were both to pull an inventory report from Poshmark, we would yeah. have different columns because there's like more taxes and things on yeah. ours. So like, I realize that there's differences, but I'm just like, hello, anyone come to Canada. I will, I will sell it. I will affiliate the crap out of it. I will spread the word. I will do everything I can. Just make it easier for me to do this thing. I so need to get you in touch why. with the guys from Bendu. That's what we need to do. We need to get Please you in touch with the guys from me. Bendu. <laughs> Please help <I> me. <laughs> and, and that's sort of been my hesitation around eBay is like, I have to manually yeah. put everything in and it just, it takes time. It's, as I said, like it doesn't spark joy as much. But it would be so much easier if there was a product that could do it. And so far, I haven't found one that does. Prime Lister almost does. I was going to say Prime Lister, aren't they? they no, they no, it, they have to do it. No, they have. They have to do it. So <laughs> they told me that it worked in Canada. And I was like, great. That's amazing. I'm excited. I try it out. And it worked for Poshmark Canada, but it didn't work for eBay.ca. And I'm like, hello, friends. You told me this worked. It doesn't work on eBay.ca. They're like, oh, we didn't know you were using eBay.ca. I'm like... Why else would I want Prime Lister for? I am in Canada. I am not, <laughs> like, you can use eBay.com in Canada, but I'm using eBay.ca to keep things simple because that's where I am. And they were like, sorry, it doesn't work there. Do you want to try our bot? I'm like, no, no, I don't want to try your bot. I want to cross list things. Like, help me. Why? Anyway. That's... You need to start your own. Just start your own. I've had that thought. And I'm like, do I want to get in that software business? Do I want to figure it out? I don't really. It's tough. I don't. And so I would just like Vendu list perfectly. Someone. I'm Lister. Someone. There's another one. I can't think of the name, but it was like, like, it's like $99 a month. It's for like volume sellers. And I'm like, that just doesn't make sense with my business oh. model right now. It's, and I think it's 99 USD. And so that's like a hundred million dollars. It's a lot of money. Yeah. So I'm like, you can do it, but I don't want you to. But anyway, once, yeah. once we get a cross listing software, I will be all over the eBay, but until then I'll just be over here in Canada being like, hello, anyone, can anyone hear me? Yeah. <laughs> well, Ashley, thank you so much for coming on. Do you want to share any parting words with our friends that are listening? 
Um, friends who are listening, thank you so much for <laughs> listening. Daniela, thank you so much for having me. Lori, sad you're not here. Love you too. Yeah. Um, Lori's <laughs> busy celebrating Anthony's graduation and it's Mother's Day. So yeah, Lori is doing all of the things. That's okay. Yeah. Uh, but I just, I adore both of you so much. And I've learned so much from your podcast and both of your YouTube channels. So this is such an honor. And if folks want to find me on the internet, you can find me at Ashley DTL on Instagram. Twitter and other places and then over on YouTube I'm Ashley Gibson and I'm the redhead reseller not the MMA fighter <laughs> and if people want to look at your Poshmark closet oh also Ashley DTL perfect yeah, uh, all right on guys Poshmark so Canada only yes you can look at it but that's about it you can toggle to the Canada Poshmark <laughs> app but you can't do anything else uh, but you can toggle and you can look at people and, and become friends which I never understood when that became a thing so you can switch to the Canada. Great. But what can I actually do? Nothing but follow people. And you were able to do it before, but then they just made it easier with the toggle. So yeah. anyway, yeah. it's not new, but anyway, Ashley DTL over there as well. <laughs> so guys, thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Ashley, for coming on. Um, and yeah, we will talk again next week. Bye-bye. Hey everyone, thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. This is just a reminder that Thrifters Villa's Patreon is officially live. You can find us on patreon.com backslash Thrifters Villa. It is just $5 a month where we're going to offer you bonus content, extra episodes, a free downloadable a month, and live events. So make sure to check us out there and we will see you next week.